Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. So turn with me, if you will, to Exodus. And this has just been all over me uh, for the last week or so. And I just decided this is what we're doing. Because, well, I didn't decide. I feel like the Lord decided. And I just tried to be like, okay, God, we'll do your thing. It works out better that way. <laughs> right? Um, so turn to Exodus. Exodus was written by Moses. And the word Exodus actually means exit, right? To exit. We have a big exit signs in the back. That actually means Exodus. And, and um, hopefully we don't have any Exodus today while I'm preaching. I had to work it in there somehow, right? So Exodus, we find ourselves with God's people in Egypt. Um, years and years earlier, there had been a famine in the land. And this family that God had chosen to show himself to the world through, um, they found themselves without food and they needed a place to find food. And and through a whole other story that we can get into another time, God brought them to Egypt to a place of provision, to a place of safety for them. So when they initially went to Egypt, it was a place where they had food, where they were safe, that God had brought them to on purpose. Fast forward a few hundred years, their family is growing, and now there's thousands and thousands and thousands of these people, of these Jewish people, the Hebrew people, and the Egyptian pharaohs start to get concerned because there's so many of these Hebrews, and so what it says in chapter 1, verse 13, it says, so they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service i think this is crazy because a place that initially had been a place of rescue for them a place of safety for them all of a sudden the leadership has changed and now it's a place of persecution for them it's a place of hardship for them i think sometimes we as christians we forget this whole thing like like we forget that that What's it say? First Peter 5, 8, it says that, that, the, that we have an adversary. He's like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. Like, okay, so we, we feel weird sometimes saying, you know, like, like, oh, you know, remember there's a devil. He's out to get you. That feels weird to say. Can I tell you something? There's a devil and he's out to get you, right? And you might be moving into a place where God has put you, But even in the place where God has put you, even if you're fully obedient to God, the devil is still seeking to devour you. That's a real thing. You have a real adversary. You have a real enemy. Now, some of you go too far. You blame the devil on everything, and some of it's just you. The scripture tells us that you're led away by your own evil desires into sin. So you're just like, well, it was the devil. He's like, it was you, knucklehead, right? Um, You got yourself in that that pickle but we do have an enemy and it's either ourselves our flesh or it's the devil 
And so here's the people of God in the place they were supposed to be, and now they find themselves as slaves. If you flip over then to chapter 2. And in verse 23 it says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant. I think sometimes when we realize as, as people of God, when we realize that we're in... Um, in and over our heads, in a place that's hard, that's difficult. Sometimes we just try to fix it ourselves. Anybody ever, I've got this, I can handle this myself. Some of us, especially guys, we try to logic ourselves out of the situation. Well, if I do this, 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 and this, then, it, then it'll fix it. I can fix this. And then we come to a place where we become so desperate and so like heartbroken, we realize there's nothing I can do to fix this situation. And we come to our wits end and we realize that the only hope we have is to cry out to God. Have you ever been there? Or like you realize you were at rock bottom and the only thing you had left to do was to cry out to God. And when I love this, it says that the Lord heard their cries and he remembered his promise. Like this book right here is full of his promises. And every time we find ourselves in a situation or in a place where we're like, God, I don't know what to do. I, I feel like I'm being crushed. I feel like life is, is more than I can handle. We can cry out to God and we can be sure of a couple things. One, he will hear us. And two, he will remember his promise. He will remember his word. Flip with me over to Galatians chapter four real quick. Galatians chapter 4, and I just want to go ahead right now and apologize. For a while ago, Eddie had to come up and tell me, he said, hey, your mic's on during the singing there, so that extra little bit of uh, vocal harmony there, I, I apologize for. It's like, oh man. He goes, don't worry, when we figured it out, we muted you. I was like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it was my fault, guys. And I was like, let's just start over. Let's just end the songs completely and start over. I'll just preach for it. Um, Galatians chapter 4. And in verse 3, it says this. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. So here's the reality. Just like the Hebrew people in Egypt... We, were, we used to be enslaved. Before we came to Christ, we were enslaved to the world. And some of you can tell about that lifestyle all too well. Like, I remember that. I, I thought I had freedom. I thought I was living it. But when I really look back, I realize, oh my goodness, I was enslaved to the world. And then in verse 4, it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, 
so that we might receive adoptions as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What I love about this right here, it's saying, when you were a slave, you cried out to God in your groaning, right? Like, God, I don't understand why life is like this. I'm at my wit's end. I need you. He hears your groaning. He responds to the grace and mercy of the love of his son. And now we're no longer slaves. We get adopted as sons. And what happens is he changes our cry. He changes our cry from that of, of being a slave to that of being a son where we're like Abba, Dad, Father. Like it completely changes. The other night, my daughter came running in my room in the middle of the night because she had a nightmare. And man, that's always like, that's so hard as a parent, especially when they're really little. Like nightmares are awful. Like even as an adult when you have nightmares, I'm like, I want, I want to run to somebody and be like, hey, I'm scared. Nobody here. Um, <laughs> Lord, she came running into the room. And in that moment, you see that same thing where she comes in distressed, but she runs to her father and there's comfort and then it changes her cry. And, and that's us. And I, this morning, I've, I hope everyone in here has experienced that, that cry of your heart changing from that of groaning to that of Father. Father, because he is a good father. He rescues us from whatever situation we're in. He doesn't leave us as slaves. I, I, I want to say, though, to go back to my original point, um, it doesn't always mean everything's going to be real great. Remember, the children of Israel were in Egypt because God had put them there. And the situation had just changed because they have an enemy. Remember in Acts 16, you can just write it down to read later. In Acts 16, Paul gets pretty fired up. He wants to go tell the people in Asia about Jesus. He's like, let's go. And God's like, no, I don't want you to go to Asia. I want you to go to Macedonia. I want you to just turn around and go the other way. And in our minds, in our minds, if I'm obedient to God, then everything's going to be great. And you read, they turn to go and be obedient to where God has told them to go. And where do they end up? In prison. Why am I in prison? I'm exactly where you told me to be, God. How did I end up here? How did I end up in this bad situation if I was doing everything that the Lord asked? Ladies and gentlemen, you have an enemy. You have an adversary. And then what happens in the middle of that? So here's Paul and Silas. They're in prison after being obedient to God. And what do they do in prison? You guys remember the story? They worship, right? They cry out to their father. They worship. And so they have a healthy perspective of who God is and what he can do, and he comes and he intervenes in the situation. So my question to you this morning, my first question is, what is the cry of your heart? Like, where is your cry? Where is your groaning? What's coming forth from you? Is it a constant God? Why? I don't understand. This hurts. This is hard. 
which is appropriate sometimes? Or is it, Lord, I, I, I trust you. I worship. I, I trust you because you're a good father. I trust you as my dad. And we're going to talk about that more here in just a second. Flip over into uh, Exodus chapter 3. You're going to need to keep your finger in Exodus. Sorry, I should have told you that earlier. Had you go all the way to Galatians and didn't warn you that we were going back. That's my, that's my bad. Exodus chapter 3. So God raises up Moses. And God says, Moses, I'm going to send you as my messenger to rescue my people and bring them out of Egypt. Which, I mean, come on. He's answering the cry of their heart. He's answering their groaning. And Moses asked God this question. He's like, okay, God, I'll do it. But they're going to ask me who sent me. So who do I tell them sent me? Who do I say sent me? And God says this in Exodus We'll start in 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people, I am has sent me to you. This word right here, I am who I am, this is where we get the word Yahweh. What that Y-H-W-H, or sometimes we see it uh, Y-A-H-W, it's spelled with letters. Um, Yahweh is what we hear. Sometimes we see it as Jehovah. They've translated it as Jehovah. But this word right here, what it means is, it means I am. And not just like I am or I exist, which it does mean that. God's saying, God's saying, like tell them that, that I am has sent you, that I exist, but not just I exist. What this word means is I am present in the moment. Like I am right here in the moment with you. I am here with you. And it doesn't just mean I'm right here with you, but it has this this sense of continually, like not just I am, but also that I will be. I am and I will be is probably a better translation of this word Yahweh. And every time you see in the Old Testament where you see the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's this word Yahweh, and what it means is, I am and I will always be. That's God's name. I am and I always be. That's who he's saying he is to a bunch of slaves in Egypt. Who sent me? Who sent you? Well, the one who is with you right now will always be with you. Are you kidding me? I'm a slave and God's with me? So you ever been in the restroom and see that cheesy footprints poster, right? The footprints in the sand poem. And it's like, you know, there were two footprints in the sand and then life got hard and only saw one set of footprints. And I'm like, God, where were you? Because he was the other set of footprints. He was like, I mean, I, it, those footprints are mine because I was carrying you. And it's cheesy, but it's true. Like God is with us even in all the difficulty, even when we feel like he's completely gone, in Hebrews, uh, I think it's 13, and 
verse 5? You can look it up later. It's Jesus says, um, the writer says that Jesus says that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Like you are never alone. Okay, that was like the biggest, like, I'm going to say it. You are never alone. That's a big deal. You are never alone. God never leaves you alone. He says, my name is Yahweh. He's saying, you are never alone. I am always with you. And that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm, I'm with you even to the end of the age. I will never leave you alone. So when you're at your most desperate moment, he is with you. Yahweh is there. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Flip over to, uh, we're going to go way over to, let's do chapter 12. Because I just think this is cool. We're, we're just talking about the exodus this morning. Because some of you, I'm going to say, some of you need an exodus this morning. Some of you have been caught up in some stuff. It's time to get out. Some of you have felt trapped inside. It's time for you to leave. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to move. All right, look at the person next to you. Make sure they're awake. So what happens is Moses goes to Pharaoh, and you guys know the story. He says, let my people go. And what does Pharaoh say? Not happening. Fat chance. And over and over and over again, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And over and over again, Pharaoh says, no. And there's all these crazy plagues and signs and wonders and stuff. And it culminates in chapter 12 when God sends this last judgment that he's going to kill the firstborn of every family, of every livestock in the area. And it's his judgment. And before you guys are like, wait, that's, whoa, wait, God, wait a minute. I, I'm going to tell you this morning, God's judgment is always righteous. Who are we to question God? And you think, this is crazy. It is crazy. And he tells them to do this thing. He says, I'm going to come through the land. And I'm going to take the life of every firstborn. But in verse 5, he says, if you can find a lamb that has no blemish, a perfect lamb, and you take that blood of that lamb and you paint it over the doorway. I will pass over. In verse, if you read verses 12, 13, 14, it talks about how it's his justice on the land. It's his judgment against Pharaoh that's causing this to happen. And that when he sees the blood of the lamb on that house, he'll pass over that house. What we know now is this is a, a symbol of what Jesus will be for us. Because I'm going to tell you something this morning. We are completely guilty. Like we have sin and God's judgment against us, his wrath against us is completely justified. We've sinned against a holy and perfect God. And there's nothing we can ever do to ever earn his favor again. Some of you have been working so hard to be a good person. I'm telling you this morning, stop. Wait, we don't have to be good people? 
We have to abide in the vine. And as we abide in him, yeah, we'll bear good works, we'll bear good fruit. But some of you are working so hard to look good, and it's nothing but fake. What's so crazy is John the Baptist, the first time he sees Jesus in the book of John, he looks at Jesus and he says this. He says, behold, which is, we don't say that. What if we did? They're like, behold, I'm going to start using it all the time. My cross-country team. Behold, let's move over here. Um, he's saying, look, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Here's, and he calls Jesus the Lamb of God. This perfect Lamb that's without spot, that's without blemish. He's completely perfect. And what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, he says that Jesus is our Passover lamb so that we completely deserve God's punishment. We completely deserve death. But what happens is because, because Jesus' blood has paid for my sin, that God passes over my sin because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I have done. And that's good news this morning. And that's good news for some of you this morning. Because how many know we need the blood of Jesus this morning? You will never do it on your own. And we try other things all the time. We try other things all the time to make ourselves appear good. It doesn't matter how nice your house is, how clean and tidy it is. If the blood of the lamb isn't there, you will pay for your sin yourself. So we get to this moment, uh, the end of Exodus 13. Pharaoh finally decides to let God's people go. And this is what it says at the end of 13 in verse 21. It says, and the Lord went before them by day and a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and night the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the people um keep your finger there we're going to go to um psalm 99 i love this this is the psalmist kind of singing about this in Psalm 99, he says, I'm just going to read the whole thing. He says, the Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. Like, oh my gosh, God is so awesome. He's king. We should all be just slightly afraid, or a lot afraid. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim. Let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You execute justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. And it gets to our story today. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord and he answered them. Isn't that what we've already talked about this morning? That when you call to the Lord, he will answer you. Call to the Lord and he will answer you. And the pillar of 
the cloud, he spoke to them and he kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave him. O Lord, our God, you answered them. You were forgiving, a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Exalt the Lord, our God, and worship at his holy mountain. And the Lord, our God, is holy. What it says here is this, this, this pillar of cloud actually gave them statutes. It actually gave them commands. And so what it's saying here, what the psalmist is saying is, not only was this pillar of cloud and fire something that they followed so they know where to go, but actually the Lord spoke to them from the cloud to give them statutes and commands to follow. So it wasn't just this. It wasn't just, I'm going to follow this pillar of fire to lead me in the physical, which they needed to know where to go. But it was also, God was speaking to them from the cloud to lead them in the spiritual And does he still speak to us today? Does he still speak to us today? Yeah, absolutely he does. Can we go to Romans chapter 8? I know it's a lot of scripture this morning, but um, what the Bible says is a lot better than what I say, so we're going to use it. You don't have to amen that. That's why it's rough pastoring your sister. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. It says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Right? What it's saying is, stop following yourself. What, what I'm trying to say is, this point is, it's time to follow the cloud where God is and stop following yourself. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit, say led by the Spirit. Those who follow the cloud, right? The cloud of God's presence. Who are all led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And I think that's some of us sometimes. Like like sometimes... Man, sin rises up, temptation rises up, and we just think we're slaves all over again. And so we're like, man, I just, ah, this is just who I am. I'm just a slave to sin. This is just who I am. Listen, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I feel like we've read this already. Right? This is the same thing all over again. The cry of our heart is, Abba, Father, Dad, Father. The Spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Here's here's the crazy thing, is that God is trying to call us and lead us by his Spirit. In John 14 and John 16, Jesus says, look, I'm going to send you my Spirit, and you have my Word, and the Spirit's going to remind you of my Word. Like, you are not alone. I have guidance for you. And that's why in our disciple-making groups, we're just so big on diving into the Word. Like, man, I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Then let's get into the Word and find out and let the Lord guide you. I mean, I can give you some options, but those are Pastor Drew's options. And eventually, if we're all doing Pastor Drew's options, they're going to come shut us down because now we're a cult. Right? You need to hear the voice of God for yourself. You need to hear what God is saying to you. And the Lord wants 
to speak to you. He's promised to speak to you. And so there's this pillar of fire in your life. In fact, the the psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God is trying to guide you through his word. He's trying to guide you by bringing word through your brothers and sisters in this room who bring word to you and say, hey, I, I feel like this is what the Lord's saying. He's trying to guide you, but sometimes we're a little bit hard-headed. And then we get to Exodus 14. God leads them all the way to the Red Sea. He leads them all to the way to the Red Sea. And in verse 4, it says this, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. What? God hardens Pharaoh's heart. And what does Pharaoh do? He goes after them. If you actually read verses 1 through 3, it says they come up to the sea, and there's a rocky place off to one side, and some mountains off to another side. There's the sea in front of them, and now the Lord has hardened Pharaoh's heart, and the Pharaoh's decided that he's regretting letting the slaves go, letting the people of Israel go, letting these hundreds of thousands of slaves go. So he's going after them. So you've got the sea here, the mountains here, a rocky place over here, and an army coming up behind you. My dad says that they're literally between a rock and a hard place. And they come to the sea, and who brought them there? The Lord. He led them there by the pillar of smoke and fire. He led them there, and they're completely trapped. I'm reminded of Paul and Silas again. They're sitting in prison. Lord, you led me here. Like, what is going on? I'm completely trapped. I'm completely trapped. But this is what it says. It says, he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. Sometimes God's putting you in a precarious situation so that everyone can know it was him and not you. Like we try to get ourselves out of situation and you think, man, they worked really hard. They got themselves out of that. Sometimes the Lord's trying to bring you to a place so that when it finally resolves, everyone will be like, yeah, that was totally God. That had nothing to do with them, right? Isn't that what Paul says? Like, like, I will boast in my weakness. I have this jar of clay. I'm, I'm completely weak and broken. And so that anything that good that comes is all about God. And you can see this over in Romans chapter 9 where Paul, he goes on and talks about Pharaoh himself having his heart hardened by God. And people are like, how is that even fair? And here's the reality of it. What it says in Romans chapter 9 is that God is the potter and we are the clay and God gets to do whatever he wants. Right? And sometimes he will harden the hearts of some people to glorify himself. And sometimes he'll take some of his clay and put them in impossible situations to glorify himself. And so this morning you might actually be 
in an impossible situation, and you're like, but I've been so obedient to where God has told me to go, and I feel like I'm in just this impossible situation. And I'm going to say, enjoy it. Because what God's trying to do is trying to show off himself. Can we get to that place? Can we get to the place where we're saying, God, I'm willing to suffer if that's what you've called me to do, if it brings you glory? You don't hear a lot of that preaching on TV. It's all about if you're faithful to God, he will prosper you. And I, I believe God wants to prosper you, right? It's biblical. But what if God, in order to glorify himself and make himself famous, decides to get you in a really hard spot? And so everyone now is watching, what will you do? What will happen with you? Worship team, you come on up. And, and we're going to take it from the top. We're just going to start over, this time without me singing. You guys know this, this story. But I want to highlight something, because you know what's going to happen. God's going to part the seas, and they're going to walk across on dry land, right? Which is awesome. Which is awesome. But there's this part before that. In verse 11, it says, They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? This is God's people. Moses, why have you brought us here? This is before they cross. What have you done in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Some of us, we have such a slave mentality. We've been enslaved to sin so long that even when the Lord is trying to set us free, we just say, God, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Don't bother me here. I was better off back in my old lifestyle. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. He said, Fear not, say fear not. Stand firm, say stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians who you see today, you will never see again. There's a deliverance coming to whatever you're walking through that one day you will never see it again. Now, I hope it's in your near future. I hope it ends quickly. Some of you, it might not end until the day you go to be with the Lord. But there's a day coming. There's a day coming where you will never see the Egyptians again. And this is his instructions. The Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. This is crazy. Because remember when I opened up, I was talking about crying out to the Lord and he hears us. There's a time, though, for you to shut up and let God do what he's going to do. It's a maturity issue. In the beginning, 
You cry out to the Lord because you don't know what else to do. But if time goes by and you're sitting in prison like Paul, and you're like, still, God, this isn't fair. I can't believe this. I was obedient to you. And you're still crying out like that? You haven't matured spiritually the way he wants you to. There's a time where it's time for the whining to stop and start praising God. There's a time for the groaning to stop and for you to start trusting God to be who he says he is going to be. And what happens? You guys know this. What happens? They go across on dry ground. Now, I know this is a Sunday school story you've probably heard of 101 times, but this is crazy. Like this stuff really happened. These guys really walked across on dry ground. And what's crazy to me is the path that was a deliverance for them ended up being the destruction of their enemies. I remind her in Romans, I, my, my daughter, when, when we were going through a hard time a few months ago, my daughter wrote on her arm, Romans 8, 28. You know what that says? It says, what's it say? Anyone know? All things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so what the enemy means for destruction and evil, what looks like an impossible situation, God is going to use to not just set you free, but to destroy your enemies. And it's not because you did anything great at all. It's because he loves you and he wants to glorify himself through you. Thank God that I get to be used to glorify his name. The reality is, it's never been about me. Like, what's, we know the name of Moses, Aaron, Miriam. We don't know the names of a lot of these people. I mean, some of them are listed later in some of these genealogies and stuff. Most of the hundreds of thousands of people that walk across, we don't know their names. Why did it happen? Just so God can make His name famous. Just to glorify Himself. So Jesus comes. He lives on earth and lives a sinless life. He shows us an example of how to live. He shows us the way. And then he dies on the cross for our sins. He's that Passover lamb who shed his blood for us. And then the craziest thing in the world happens. He raises from the dead. Like, like Jesus rose from the dead. Like, do you realize that's the ultimate rock and hard place like that's the ultimate like being up against it like death is coming for every single one of us and that's a sea we can't part on our own that's something that the enemy has meant to glorify himself to hurt us the ultimate sting like like god they can live for you their whole life but here's what's going to happen someday they will die some of us are terrified of that. And Jesus is like, shut up. I got this. And he raises from the dead. And 1 Corinthians, it tells us like, like death, where's your sting? Where's your sting? So that today, if you know Christ, you can look death in the eye and say, bring it. Because death is swallowed up in victory. Right? 
For, as, for us as believers, death is swallowed up in victory. There is no sting anymore. And so what the enemy tries to do to hurt us and scare us, and, and death is such a, it's such a final thing to some people that it causes them to live crazy, right? YOLO. Well, I better live it up because death is coming. Or it's debilitating to some people. Well, I, they won't do anything because they're scared. Oh, I might get hurt. I might. But as believers, God has called us. He's trying to lead us through. This is our pillar of fire, right? Today. His Holy Spirit speaking to us. He's trying to lead us to places. And, and I'm sorry. I wish this morning. I wish. I could take you out of every hard circumstances, every hard circumstance you're walking through. I, I wish I, I could just say, hey, this, everything's going to be easy from now on. And some of you it will be, because the Lord's going to bless you as you're obedient. And some of you, He's going to lead you through intensely difficult things because He trusts you, because He's trying to glorify Himself through you. But what will your response be? Will it be the groaning all over again? Will it be like, God, I trust you. You're my dad. You're my father. And I know as much as I'm hurting, God, you hurt for me even more the same way as earthly fathers. When we see our kid hurting, our heart breaks and we want to do everything we can to save them from that. But Lord, the cry of my heart this morning is, God, put me through whatever you need to put me through to make yourself famous. Because I trust you. Church, to the point that even death itself is nothing. Will you stand with me? Thank you for letting me rearrange the order of service this morning. We're, we're really just going to spend the next little bit just worshiping. And um, if you're a guest today, sorry. Thank you for being patient with us as we flip things around. And, and here in just a, a little while, we will dismiss service and everything. But, but let's press in. Some of you need this time of worship because you're going through some stuff right now. Like you need some clarity. I'm going to tell you, it starts with remembering who God is. Not remembering what your situation is. You've been focusing on the situation far too long. It's time to start focusing on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father God, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. God, we thank you that while we were still sinners, Christ, you died for us. And this morning, Jesus, you get all victory, you get all glory, you get all honor. All things belong to you. Lord, and as we enter into this time of worship, God, make yourself famous in our lives. Help us turn our eyes on you to set our mind on things above. In the mighty name of Jesus, let's worship this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.